I've imagined many times how it would sound like if, say, you know, Ray Clay from the Chicago Bulls announced your name in the starting lineup. A 5-7 guard from Bellflower High School, Ray Morality! That sounds intimidating. Ray Ray is fundamental, number one podcast from the get-go. And since you're listening, you got good sense, so let me break it down on this instrumental. It's basketball and all its essences. It's full of pop culture references. Point guards to stretch fours and fives. The last Buffy episode, despite survival. Never mind, let me get on track. Houston had a good run, and a team was stacked. We had plans for the team, Wolves, y'all remember? Quick question in sync, who's your favorite remember? Oops, I did it again. Hold up, wait. Best team on the court, probably Golden State. Yeah. Curry and them, yeah, they out this world. But as Ray is top five, he's saying the Spice Girls. <laughs> is the Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast. Right now, it is April 29, 2020, and I recorded my interview with my guest on April 28. I am your host, Ray Moraldi, a.k.a. Ray Ray, and it will always be strange to me whenever I mention my government name. Please, call me Ray. Ray Ray for nasty. As you can probably hear, I'm doing just fine. I am blessed to be in the situation that I am in. I'm in a home. I have plenty of food. I have reserves. I should be fine for the most part, and I hope you guys are in the same same situation as I am. Please stay home, and please stop the spread of the coronavirus. Well, there still ain't much sports going on, and all we can cling to right now is the 90s Bulls documentary, The Last Dance. They just showed episodes 3 and 4 last Sunday, and let me remind you that as a hardcore NBA fan, I know pretty much most of what went on there, but this documentary is great nostalgia, and a reminder of how much the Bulls dominated the headlines in the NBA. And a reminder of some things that were just wacky. You youngest should realize how Dennis Rodman pretty much ruled the world of the 90s. He did TV shows. He did movies. He did talk shows. He did it the most high-profile celebrities. And he was part of the most talked-about sports team at the time, the Chicago Bulls. And you guys like rings. He won five of them. Three of the Bulls. Two of the Pistons. And you can put him in the argument as greatest rebounder and defender of all time in the NBA. There was nobody else that could duplicate what he did on the basketball court. Uh, my guest for this podcast is Rosalind Ross, and we ended up talking about Robin the entire time. You should listen to that after I remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast or wherever podcasts are available, like Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, etc. You can also find more archives on this podcast at rarity.net slash fun. By the way, Rosalind, versatile individual. She's an actress, model, writer, just knows about everything there is. I actually met her in real life in LA last January, and you know how some people put on facades online to make themselves more important than they really are? Rosalind is the same in real life as she is online. In fact, she is the nicest, most charming, most knowledgeable people that I know, and I'm so glad I got to meet her. And yeah, this was January, and we were hoping to to meet each other more times, but you know, some pandemic's happening, so that put everything to a halt at the moment, but hopefully, once the pandemic is over, I can get to meet her again. Uh, so yeah, please listen to her drop some knowledge and tidbits about The Last Dance in about 30 to 45 seconds. I need someone to promote me first before we get to Roz. So, ready? Promote me! Hey, this is James Holis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin', and you are listening to 
Ray Ray is fundamental. Ray Ray is fundamental podcast. Isolation series continues. What else do we got to do about podcasts, right? My guest. She's been on this podcast before. She's an actress. She's a model. She's a yogi. She writes. Remember her from a sports fan journal as well. Our Trinity Rosalind Ross. How are you? I am well, my friend. The last time I was on with you, we actually hadn't met in person. And now we have. How about that? We have. <laughs> I think we shut down the world because we met in L.A. And then <laughs> that's, that's since then, no one's been outside. I think we were too much to handle for the world. Yeah, too hot. So here, does it, does it always feel weird for you still when you meet someone from the Internet at first? Because, like, it seems so normal for me now. But, like, when it first happened, obviously it's the weirdest thing. Does it feel weird still for you? I think the only thing that feels weird is how familiar I feel with a person that I haven't met. Right? So, right. it's like when I was sitting down with you, I, I felt like we had been knowing each other for years, which we have. Yeah. We just had never met. So, it's sort of like when I, in, when I look back in retrospect, it's kind of like, oh, wait, I actually had never met. Ray Ray before, yet I feel like we know each other so well. So it's that part of it for me is strange, but I think the world we live in now just sort of forces us to deal with the reality of being able, and it's a good reality, of being able to connect with people um, who you don't get to see regularly. Um, so that part I've gotten used to, but I haven't gotten used to how comfortable I feel <laughs> when I meet the person. <laughs> so I always wonder, do they feel as comfortable as me, or am I the weirdo here that feels like we're really old, good friends. Yeah. How long have we known each other? Oh, I mean, a long time. Probably since, I mean, you were probably one of my early followers on Twitter, so. I've, uh, I've been on Twitter. Nine years now, at least. I mean, I, was, I came to Twitter later than, I really didn't get there until I started writing regularly, so that was like 2011, 2012, but I know you're a veteran. You've been there a while. <laughs> veteran, yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm a veteran of Twitter, if that's a thing. Well, okay, I've been on Twitter since 08. Like, that's... Yeah, see, that's old school. It is old school. Oh, that's like... <laughs> I've spent, like, nearly... Not even... not even, More than a quarter of my life on Twitter. Wow. You've seen the iterations, like, the different versions of Twitter. Like, when it was one thing, and then... Your circle changes and it becomes another type of conversation and now it's a different environment with different conversations. Like, you've seen some shifts there. I know I've seen at least one, one and a half. I, <laughs> I, I would imagine, had I been on there as long as you, I, I would have seen many, many shifts in the way the conversations happen on Twitter and what is discussed. I tell people, uh, the newer writers, God, that makes me sound so old, the newer writers on Twitter that Twitter used to be the domain for Suns and Blazers fans, because that's how it was when it first started. Because really, Phoenix and Portland, they were the first ones to jump on Twitter, basically. And we were that's just amazing. like, we were just like, oh my gosh, the Suns and Blazers game is on. Twitter's going to crash. Yeah, <laughs> that was our reaction <laughs> back in '08, and then an influx of Laker fans came in like around '09 and such, perfect with the title run and, every, and everything. So. Um, but yeah, but it used to be Suns and Blazers back then. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because even when I first became a part of, I guess, what is or formerly what is sports Twitter, so many of the people I was connected to were Lakers folks. 
yeah. like Lakers bloggers, Lakers, people who cover at the Lakers, you know, in, in official capacities, people who were huge super fans, like, and still, I mean, of course, still those guys are around, but they were mostly, it's a lot of Laker people in my, in my uh, list. Yeah. So that that makes sense, yeah, that they were sort of the early adopters of the sports competition on there. <laughs> yeah, they came in like right around the playoff run around oh nine and and they yeah. were in the championship. Like that's when it started going in. I was like, Oh my god, so many Laker fans are now and uh but yeah, it this used to be Phoenix and Portland territory. Not so much anymore. That's crazy I, to learn that it started with Phoenix Athens. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Um do you even Think about sports on this day because obviously there are no sports going on and who knows when they'll really come back. Who knows? And <laughs> even if they do, like who knows if we'll ever see a game in person again. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, so it's like different phases of concern about when our beloved sports will return and how they will return. Like they may come back, but these folks may be playing to very empty arenas. Like we might not ever get to see it in person for another year or two. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on the other side of this apocalypse. <laughs> I'm guessing that that festivals and, you know, concerts and, you know, those large gatherings of that sort will probably be the last thing to come back. That's my guess. Yeah. You know that um, Taiwan has baseball going on right now, right? Like, they legit have baseball games going on, but, like, on empty, on empty fields. And okay, I, I literally was clutching my per, my imaginary <laughs> pearls when you said that. I'm like, I hope no one's inside watching. <laughs> okay, but you're saying to empty arenas. Okay, got it. So, so when I learned that, I looked up what was going on there, and then they had a brawl that one day. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, like, because Taiwan, Asia in general, like, you know, we're not known to be brawlers and fighters. That's just how our, you know, culture is, right? Yeah, exactly. And it happened yeah. in Taiwan of all places. Like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's just hilarious. <laughs> and no one me. was there to see it. I mean, we only, you only know about it because it was reported on, I guess, or because somebody videotaped yeah, it, yeah, but yeah, no one was there in person to root it on. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was reported. Um, yeah, it's just, and they're wearing masks too, so it's like crazy. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's even crazier. Yeah, I know. So. Yeah, um, it's just hard. Like, the only thing that's going on in sports right now, and the main thing we're going to talk about right now is uh, the documentary of the 1998 Chicago Bulls. Well, not really the 98 Bulls, because they're talking about the entire, like, Bulls-Michael Jordan era, basically. Yeah, yes, thank goodness for it. Thank goodness for this documentary right now. Yeah, we all are, because we got nothing else to live for on sports. Do you think it would be as good, Ray Ray? Like, would you be enjoying it as much if you were also having to watch this, like, in the middle of the playoffs? Like, or do you think it's just, are we bored and this thing is fantastic as opposed to us being, you know, interested and it's cool? Like, is it our boredom that's driving our enthusiasm? Uh, I guess it's both, right? Like, (laughs) we got nothing better to do. Let's watch this documentary. But at the same time, it's like, we're we're such sports addicts, sports fans, yeah. that we're gonna enjoy it regardless of, of the situation. So yeah, that, it's really good. Yeah, it's it, really it's really well done. Um, did you learn anything? I mean, because this was reported all over the place in '98. You know, the the rumors of Jordan Pippen 
Robin not coming back, Phil Jackson not coming back, Jerry Cross wanting Tim Floyd and what was what was the thing that surprised you the most that you learned that you learned something new from that documentary so far? I think I think it's um, all things Jerry Krause. Like I think I feel like that was information that I knew, like that I knew of some hate yeah. by, and it, it felt very localized, right? Like some hate by Chicago people of Jerry Krause. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, because it seemed like it was a thing that was very, very specific to Chicago and like maybe they, yeah, I don't know, I sort of like passed it off like maybe they had had some personal experience with him or maybe he made one of their favorite restaurants close. Like I honestly <laughs> never took the time to investigate what that was, where it came from. And so I think first to learn that, oh, this is this is rooted in whatever his his ego-driven or obsession-driven desire to dismantle this masterpiece. I get that that's what it's about, but also just how reckless and how determined he was in doing it. I think I've learned two things. Like, first I learned that that's actually what he was trying to do, and it's dumb, but I've also been fascinated by how committed he was to doing it. Like, talking about talking openly about his plans to reminding everyone that he was planning to let Phil Jackson go and, you know, he was willing to blow up the team. Like, right in the middle of a playoff run in that final year of the three-peat is just maddening to me. So I'm, I, I feel like he needs his own documentary. Like, I want to learn more about his background. Or, and even, even I think the first thing – one of the first notes that was when, um, I can't think of Jerry, his, his name is also Jerry, but I can't think of the general manager's, um, I mean, not the GM, but the owner's last name who brought in. Reisler, yeah. So even when he said, like, oh, Jerry, Jerry was a, he was a baseball scout, and then he came to me and told me he wanted to be GM. I'm like, who does that? Like, I want to know more about, <laughs> I want to know more about the chutzpah of a person who's in, a, in an entirely different sport in a fairly regular capacity. Like, I mean, scout is not like, it's not GM of a team, it's scout. Yes. So to go yes. from that in a different sport and to, to just walk up to your rich friend and say, you know what, I heard you just bought a baseball team, I mean, a basketball team, so let me be in charge of that. And then he does it. I'm so fascinated by this man and what drove his, you know, I understand that he's, they're saying that Jordan and Pippen, they tease him a lot and all that, but that seems like a lot of, like, hate built around or, or you know, fatalism built around some guys just because they teased you. There must have been something else driving that. But he, by, by far, has been the most shocking revelation to me um, about all of the things that were going on at the time, and that was a really significant thing happening at that time for that team. Number one, it makes me think that I could be a, the general manager of the Lakers soon, right? Could I just go up to, like, Genie Bus or something? It's like, hey, I want to be a general yeah. manager, right? Absolutely. Well, and the key point, you got to have a rich, you got to know how to get right to him. Yeah. Because <laughs> apparently that was, that was, like, the big part of his strategy, that he had the phone number of your <laughs> Yeah. So you got to know how to get straight to him, but obviously it's available to us all. Yeah. You just got to make the right phone call. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, uh... Number two, like with Jerry Krause, I think people have to realize that he was really good at his job. Like he built this team, yeah. you know, and I'm not sure if he's getting enough credit for that. 
I don't think he is because we're so appalled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're appalled, Ray Ray, by his attitude towards one of the greatest dynasties ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're not giving him a lot of credit, but he he was a great doer of his job. Mm-hmm. Now, how long was he? Again, I have this is out. So I've learned that this is outside of my depth of knowledge about this franchise. So how long? How much longer after that run? Was he in that role I be- with with I be- the Bulls? I believe a decade more. I'll look it up right now, but I believe he was there for like 10 okay. years. But he was there for a long time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. And so... So when people say that, I, the only my only so when people say are we giving are we being so mean that we don't notice he did a good job, mm-hmm. then I feel like I want to I you know because I'm so angry <laughs> at him for the fact that he he was so mean about that team. I want to just crush people with stats about like but he didn't do anything after they left and they I know the Bulls didn't have a lot of you know they didn't have that level of success after that whole thing ended and after. Uh, Phil Jackson was gone, but you know, ultimately, you know, I still can't say he didn't do his job. He he really did an excellent job. Okay, I'm wrong. He he, he ended his tenure at 2003. This was after he drafted Jay Williams. Um, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so he wasn't there for the Derrick Rose years, but he never okay. made, he never made the playoffs again after that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there it is. That justifies me not <laughs> continuing in my hate. Like he didn't do anything. Like I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna start telling people he didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't do anything after that. You know, um, and that's that's interesting that he was done. So he, did he stay the whole se- season after he drafted Jay Williams? Like was he after, there the whole season? After, or was yeah. like that? Uh, two thousand. Okay. Two thousand three okay. was when he ended. So yeah, he wanted to. He wanted to build his own team, his own dynasty, whatever. Uh, drafted Elton Brand, Ron Artest, Jamal Crawford, Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, Marcus Pfizer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So those were his draft picks, and they all went nowhere. So I mean, they all went nowhere. Yeah, at least the teams did, and obviously some of them went on to become all stars, like Ron and Elton and uh, Tyson Chandler. But like. As a team, they never no, they never won more. Yeah, they never won. They didn't make the playoffs at all. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys had to lead his team to make all star teams and to win championships. So, yep. uh, well, at least the kids Tyson Chandler. So, yeah, interesting. That might be us learning that you know maybe it was more ego driven and this desire to. You know, he, maybe he felt like he inherited a thing that was good and thought he was going to go down in history as someone who had inherited a thing that was good and was driven by creating his own thing that never went anywhere. So he he has been my one, like every conversation I've had with someone in, since I've been watching this has started with, the revelation that Jerry Krause was kind of a crazy person, but also did his job during that time, and also is like the ballsiest person I know to just be like, I'm going to leave baseball scouting and, and head up a, a basketball team. Just come see me when you're ready. Like, that's so strange to me. And, um, and, so he, yeah, he needs his own doc. And I'm going to try to blow up a team that has won six championships in eight years. 
No, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like insane. Here's here's the weird thing I think because I know like NBA Twitter was on fire when they learned about this. I know because people didn't. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who are who are younger that don't know about the the Bulls dynasty, right? And they think that it's crazy that Cross would do this. But guess what? A lot of these so-called experts on NBA Twitter would do the same thing right now. I will tell you that. Oh, of course. They would. It's like, oh, well, they're getting old. Of course I'll blow it up. Exactly. But you have the best player in the game still winning championships. (laughs) Yes. Yes, and who's still insanely good. Yeah. (laughs) He's still, like, a forever mismatch for most people. He was at the time, and it's it's just... But you're right, that would be so much of a conversation on Twitter if we were looking at that team in present time. There would be a ton of people who are like, oh, they're getting old, you know, they're not going to do anything, they're slowing down, they're not going to do anything, better get ahead of, you know, any injury-riddled seasons that are upon them because they're old and whatever and slowing down. Like, that would definitely be the conversation, I think you're right. I, I understand that, but at the same time, like... I would understand it more if they weren't winning anymore, like if they only made the second round of the playoffs or they fell in the finals again. Example, LeBron James in Cleveland. They blew that up too. But they are still winning. <laughs> like, can we just yeah. wait for them to lose first before we blow it up? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, and speaking of, like, perspectives of past versus, you know, further into the future, yeah. that whole... Um, you know, in some of Jerry Krause's interviews late in the season when they were about to embark, upon, embark on their completing the third repeat, you know, the statements he made in the media and just how, you know, it just ran contrary to how you want your team to be, which you want your team to be focused on when they're in, in the midst of a, what's about to be a run. And I remember thinking about, I remember thinking about when, um, I, why can't I think of it? Larry Brown uh-huh. was, like, gushing over the New York job in the middle of Detroit's second, like, run yes. toward there. You know what I mean? And, like, how he got pulverized. And it's just, like, to even hear, to, to see the conversation that was around Jerry making those kinds of statements at the time, the media was like, oh, I just think he is being a little irresponsible because, but like when Larry Brown did that, the media like drug him, like him over the coals. What that had to do with the fact that that team lost in the finals, yeah. <laughs> they weren't able to complete it. But you know, and then I saw I, I, they show in this last, uh, the last two episodes, I remember seeing Rodman on a motorcycle, and it's funny you say Jay Williams because I was thinking like, when did they? I know that in Jay Williams contract like he wasn't supposed to be on a motorcycle which became his big injury like that was part of his contract and to see Rodman just out like hanging out with some bikers on a motorcycle was like oh I wonder when they started to be more proactive about telling guys you can't be on a motorcycle you know what I mean like just looking at past and what became present and then future like how much has changed even since then kind of fascinating I did not make that connection until you mentioned that (laughs) like I was like Wait a second, you're right! <laughs> um, I remember looking at him like, what the hell is he doing on a motorcycle? Like, is it, when was that, like, wasn't that always a thing? Like, and, and you'd say, Jim Crow drafted Jay Williams, he was there for that final move, and it's like, 
I wonder when they instituted that because I certainly had that feeling when I saw Robin, like, dude, like, what are you doing on a motorcycle? That can't be what the team was allowing you to do. You weren't supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Maybe maybe Robin was allowed to because he got so much leeway, right? Like, we knew this. He got a lot of leeway. He got a lot of leeway. Because I have, okay, I have Phil Jackson's book, Eleven Rings, his last book. Okay. And, and he was mentioning how he mentioned a Vegas vacation too in that book, by the way. But also where okay. Okay. But also <laughs> uh when when Dennis Robin went off to uh wrestle for WCW <laughs> for that one book, <laughs> And then he's just kinda like, eh, whatever, he'll just do what he'll do. Cause it's Dennis Rodman. <laughs> it's crazy, cause now like, okay, if we had if we had a Rodman today where He'll have a vacation in the middle of a, of a season or go to a wrestling show and wrestle or whatever. Wouldn't we be like, hey, wait a minute, what are you doing? Oh, no question. And you know that Vegas trip would have been all over, like, Snapchat. <laughs> There'd be pictures. There'd be evidence. Like, whoever took that trip in today's present day, like, would probably be regaling us with all the dirty details via photographic evidence. And yeah. that would make us blow our minds even more. Like we'd be like, "Dude, how is this even possible?" And I would imagine that, you know, and I and I'm really bad about reading. I want to be better about reading sports biographies, but I'm terrible at it. So I ha- I wasn't even aware that that had ever happened. That you know, Robin was allowed to go to Vegas in the middle of the season, and they had to sort of go and bring him back. I, I didn't know that that had happened. But you wonder how like. I guess it tells you how important he was to the team and how much the team understood him, at least Michael and Scotty and Phil Jackson, because wouldn't the uh, wouldn't your other teammates be like, why are you letting this dude get away with it? Or some other teammate somewhere in the league be like, we got to do something. How does Rodman have this advantage that none of the rest of us have? I would think that other people would be mad. Well, <laughs> Not just shocked, but like, Really mad, like he had an advantage that they didn't, or he was being allowed to do a thing that they weren't. Well, I'm surprised by that. Well, Robin was on the Lakers after the Bulls, and <laughs> that didn't go so well. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Is. Robin, I don't know how many games You're he played right. for the Lakers. I believe probably like twenty-ish or whatever. But yeah. Del Harris and Kurt Rambis just blew up, and they're just like, no. Yep. So they cut him. And same thing with <laughs> yeah, Dallas too. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Same thing with Dallas, too. Like, Cuban couldn't handle him, so they cut him. This is Ty Windish of the Time Out with Ty podcast, and you are listening to the Ray Ray is Fundamental podcast. Live. Not really. Only certain teams can handle certain personalities. Like, I remember when uh, Ron, Ron Artest, Metal World Peace, right? Yeah. Yeah, and when he went to the Lakers, people were just like, oh, no, this is not right. Like, why is he going to the Lakers? I'm like, if any team can handle him, it would be the Lakers. Because <laughs> Kobe yeah, Bryant, exactly. Kobe Bryant, Phil Jackson, all you need, right? He exactly. could have probably, exactly. probably gone to Boston too, because Boston had uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, Doc Rivers, Paul Pierce. Like they had personalities that could handle that sort of thing. So yeah, and and structure. Yeah, yeah you're right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, but yeah, Rama got away with so much, but only a only a few teams could handle him. <laughs> Man, what a gift to do, though. Like, what what a person to to enjoy and explore rebounding his art. Like, he was insanely committed to that 
in a way that I very much appreciate this documentary of reminding me of. Because, you know, you just don't really see that. Probably the, it feels like the last that we saw was like maybe Ben Wallace on that system team where somebody was just that. Like, that was what they did, and the team was okay with not doing much else but rebounding. But, man, it's, it's so good to be. I think the nostalgia of it all mm-hmm. is is just as, you know, amazing and warming to the heart as going down and watching these memories. Like, just even just having a moment to see the things again and to remember what it was like to experience them at the time or to long for them being that way again is is a really cool uh, benefit of this documentary as well. It still blows my mind that Dennis Rodman is a wiry 6'8 guy that averaged nearly 19 rebounds a game in a season. Like, that's insane. how does that even happen? Like, seven-footers accidentally rebound ten times a game. <laughs> exactly. And, and Rob yeah, has we, to work that much harder. And he gets, like, 18, 19 rebounds a game. Like, it's insane to me. Yeah, it, it really is. But it, you know, but then to hear them talk about, like, how he, he feels that's to talk about, how he really studied. Like, he would actually sit and review you know, game tape with my with mine was happening on what looked like a nineteen inch inch box set. Yeah. <laughs> in the locker room from that day. But how he would sit and review game tape and learn for your tendencies and know what their moves are. And you hear someone make that statement and it's kinda of like, Oh, okay, that's what you're supposed to do. But to be able to do it at that level, you know that this is just a this is a very different version of of watching game film. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's a true commitment to understanding your job and wanting to be really, 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 really good at it. And that's that's just who Robin was also while being everything else he was. He was. <laughs> everything else he was, he was committed to being that level of a rebounder in a way that we, we haven't seen before and haven't seen much of since. See, people don't realize this in the 90s, how, how much of a cultural icon Dennis Robin was. They don't really get no. it. They don't really get it. Okay. Uh, rebounding leader, part of the Chicago Bulls dynasty, uh, wrote a book, uh, married himself on television, <laughs> <laughs> had, an, had an MTV show called Robin World Tour. Yes. Um, wrestled in WCW. <laughs> he did so many things. Oh, he did. Was it a movie with Van Damme? <laughs> I just remembered that right yeah. now. <laughs> like I have forgotten about that too. He did a lot of things, and people would frown on those things nowadays. I think. Well, and I think they were. Fr- I think there was a segment of sports fan who really didn't appreciate it very much then. But he was he was a mainstream star. He was. Like, he was not like he may have been. I, I'm. I don't want to say this because certainly I'm. I'm hesitant to say this because Magic Johnson was a big deal and became. I don't know, but those guys like they were sports stars and then they were mostly mainstream. Like their talent was at a level, and the fact that they were winning as much Magic and Bird that made them. That made the public, the general public, very aware of who they were. But they were sports stars. I feel like Rodman 
was like a mainstream. Like we were, yeah. people were beyond aware of who he was. <laughs> like yeah. he was actually a star in those places. Plus, you know, sports star. Like mainstream late night television, actual, dating Madonna, actual celebrity, acting in movies, like yeah. star. He's you know a, what I mean? Like actual celebrity. Yeah. It, and it, I don't know. Have we had one of those like out of a sports league? That to wow. that point, like, was there anybody who did it before him? Oh, before him, I don't know. After I don't think so. After I don't think so. Right, like, I, like at these days, I don't know if anyone's that keep that, that um the range that Rodman had. Like he did. And I hope people don't hear this and get mad at us because there's just a version of celebrity that is. I remember even reading about like. You know, people were talking about the transition of, like, when Lamar Odom started dating Khloe Kardashian. And, like, he has even said that there are well, people who've analyzed that relationship and noticed how he, you know, has, how his life trajectory went from then. There's sports star and then there's, like, celebrity, which is not the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so when Lamar was involved with Khloe, that shifted him from, like, this world of sports stardom to full-on people know you and you're an actual celebrity and i don't know if a lot of sports athletes get to that place but robin was there in 1997 yeah <laughs> which is crazy yeah i'm i'm actually amazed that he didn't start rapping too like because <laughs> i know yeah. athletes do that all the time where <laughs> we we all know athletes want to become rappers or musicians while rappers and musicians want to become sports stars <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I could totally see him in a rock band. And that's just because, you know, he's he's got the different color hair, he's wearing the you know, he's he's got the lays around his neck. Like I could really see him on stage writing in with a band. Probably more than rapping. But you're right. I mean that's just the level of celebrity he was. And probably feel like even I mean there were a lot of people who were like so excited to see him as part of the documentary <laughs> like he probably still has that effect on us like oh he's still alive and he's still he's telling us all his crazy stories and giving us the real raw like we're still very excited to have a world that Rodman is a part of so so <laughs> I'm very excited so I forgot about this uh, I looked it up recently right but Rodman's only made the all-star team twice is that surprising to you that is very surprising to me. Yeah. Like, he made it, He never made it as an all-star in Chicago for some reason. Wait. Just Detroit. Never in Chicago? Like, I had that completely... When you... Okay, so I heard you make the statement. I'm like, oh, so I guess he made it in Detroit. Yeah. I mean, I guess he made it in Chicago and not in Detroit. But you're telling me while a part of a championship team, <laughs> he was not <laughs> doing what he did. He didn't make the All-Star team. That's crazy, right? I think, I think that is crazy. in today's game, he'd be so much more appreciated because, like, rebounding is a lot more important. Like, they, it, in today's eyes, it's a lot more important. So I think he'd be a perennial All-Star in today's game. But in the 90s, he only made it twice, which is crazy to me. Yeah, that is really crazy to me. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And crazy that it never happened when he was doing what he was doing with the school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's a Hall of Famer. Like we know, we know he made the Hall of Fame, well deserved. But yeah, just, like, the All Star team twice is crazy to me. <laughs> that is really crazy. That does not line up. So you know there was something else at well, play, or there was just some there was some uh, prejudice towards 
his role or the way he played yeah. the game. There's something that um, made that be the case because it should not be the case. <laughs> it should not be the case at all. I, I still think even at his even when his career is winding out with the Lakers and and the Mavericks, like he was still okay. I'm looking it up right now. He averaged 11 boards of the Lakers and 14 boards of the Mavericks. Like that's that's insane to me. Like he's still that's averaging insane. 14 boards with the Mavericks. That's insane. Yeah. Because how old would you? How old do we think he would have been? Like he would have been in his thirties, clearly, right? Uh, he would be thirty-eight, thirty-nine years old at that point. Yeah, fourteen rebounds. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's insane. And I'm sure it, I'm sure he would play every game hungover, off of Vegas vacation, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, because there are just some people who are. Superhuman that they got, that could party one night and play a pro game the next day or go to work the next day or whatever like that's that's yeah crazy yeah exactly yeah. but it tells you it, it tells you how much they're all in when they're on yeah. you know what I mean like like when when he's on he's all in like in the times that he is supposed to be working out supposed to be studying game film he is doing those things in a way that allows his his performance to be consistent, and there is a beauty in that that you just cannot deny. Mm-hmm. That story where after a Vegas vacation, where they made him run laps, and Robin ran ahead of everybody. <laughs> which... <laughs> Man, that's just that just seems like classic Dennis Rodman. Like he was probably still wor- he's probably still working out while you know on that <laughs> Vegas vacation or something. Or maybe he's just that insane. He just has that insane energy. It never runs out. I don't know. Yeah, it never runs out. It's yeah. something. It's it's something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm and I'm real. Like I said, I'm really excited to be reminded of how special it was mm-hmm. by watching this. Like, because you sort of. I mean, you know, sports um, periods and eras. They you know they go by you, and then you're on to the next debate. So it's nice yeah. to be reminded how how just insane all of what this team was doing all of the parts that made it come together and be so successful it's, it's really cool to be able to relive that when i was first getting once i first got certified to teach yoga i had an opportunity which i, I did secure but i was um being vetted for an opportunity to teach yoga to the U of M basketball team under Josh Hassan and so as much as i know and knew about yoga at the time I didn't have a real clear picture of like what it needed to look like in a basketball environment. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like I I know that sport and I knew yoga, but I didn't exactly know how they would come together and and benefit you know benefit these college basketball players. Yeah. And I randomly, because I'm a nutcase, go online and find an article about the woman who did yoga with the 97 bull uh-huh. <laughs> and she has a yoga studio in chicago and i sent her an email and she wrote me back Ooh, nice. <laughs> and by you like this was she did it in 97 and i was reaching out to her in 2012 right so this was not <laughs> years later i sent her an email and um she wrote me back and told me to call her anytime and i did and we had like an hour conversation mm. where she talked about how um, her initial meeting with Phil Jackson and about how um, she had very early one-on-one conversations with Michael Jordan because she knew his buy-in was going to be important. 
um, and he was all over it. Um, you know, yoga is a barefoot practice, and, you know, in basketball, these dudes have these, their shoes laced up so tight, they don't have any flexibility. <laughs> like, in their ankles, like, yeah. and she just talked about how one big memory was, like, of them being center court and having to take their shoes off for the first time, like, on a mat. Mm-hmm. and rotate their feet around like clockwise and counterclockwise. It's oh. <laughs> just how they were like, oh. Like, it was like, it was like a, a, a whole team revelation that they needed to have some flexibility in their ankles because they laced their shoes up yeah. so freaking tight. Because oh. that was her first like, big memory with the team. But she was like, they were very kind to her. Michael Jones was very nice to her. Sky was out injured. Uh, when she first got there, which of course now everyone knows the time period based on the documentary. Yes. <laughs> so her early sessions with him had to be one-on-one because he was behind the team. And she said, since when he came to the studio, he was definitely like, what the hell is going on? And brought like a couple of his friends with him to make sure it was going to be some weird, you know, <laughs> I don't know, some weird Eastern philosophy, something, having praying to weird gods or something. But... Uh, and then after he had that one session where he brought everybody in, he came back to her basically on his own, even outside of um, the team sessions because he wanted to get mm-hmm. caught up. So mm-hmm. uh, so then when I see in the documentary that they're standing center court and they're doing, like, some forward folds, I'm like, yes, that's, that's everything of the time. Like, that's my yoga side, remembering my conversation with her and knowing what we know about Phil Jackson. Yeah. kind of cool to see it all out there on screen. Pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know you had that connection. That's great. Well, I didn't I haven't talked to her since, so I don't want to overblow the connection. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I was so, I mean, I was very fortunate that she would right. return my call. Because she had, it was some article I found online in Yoga Journal. And again, it was probably 15 years, however old it was, I'm bad at math on the spot. But it was probably 15 years earlier. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. And a lot of what we talked through is a lot of what I incorporated in my first few sessions with the Tigers, with mm-hmm. the University of Memphis. So it worked out. It was cool. <laughs> maybe you should but secret, maybe definitely it t- seek her out again since the documentary is going on. I was like, hey, guess what? Um, I, yeah, 100% or another no. Because, I, I mean, I'm certain that it gave me, you know, it was probably one of the second th- second or third things I said to Josh when I got in the room. was like, oh, well, I was thinking to the woman who thought, the uh, 97 moves yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not shy Man. about putting that forward. So I should give her a call to see how she's doing and how she feels about the doc. It's Jasmine Browning. You're listening to the Ray Ray's Fundamental Podcast. Uh, so we finished four episodes of The Last Dance so far. So ain't, is there any particular subject that, you, that you're hoping I could see from this documentary? I think... I, I think I've, I'm really cool with letting it I love when documentaries like if I, I feel like if I think of something that I want to know it's just something that I I read about and it's going to be manifest on screen whereas opposed to like I'm getting so much stuff that I didn't know because I again I hadn't read any sports biographies the one thing I'm not I want to say I'm not looking forward to it but it's going to make me really emotional is these Kobe parts Whatever has to happen in this, in this next uh, weekend's installment where they're going to be talking to Kobe about Jordan or whatever the hell, I, I'm not, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I'm also realizing and recognizing that it's going to be kind of heavy. Yeah. So, 
um, that's a thing that I really want to see because I, I'm always, I have always been, you know, I, I, I am always really, really interested in people talking about the technical side of what they do. Mm-hmm. And Toby certainly was an excellent technician, um, as was Jordan. So I'm, I'm very interested in what he's going to have to say, but I am very, you know, knowing where we all are and that he's no longer with us, I am not prepared to be emotional, <laughs> to emotional about it. But I, I really can't wait to hear about what was going on at the time, and certainly he, he was like a Jordan fan. Like, I've always felt that, but to watch Jordan, to watch these clips of Jordan on court, and just, I mean, they were like the same person. So, yeah. like, so many, so many of their mannerisms, not just the way they play basketball, but you can tell that he studied Jordan so much, so much about the way he walked on court, like, the way he held his body, the way he moved in space, like, very much Michael Jordan. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing him, you know, talk more about his love of Jordan and, and what that team was able to do. I'm just not looking forward to seeing him and getting sad about him not being here anymore. I remember during the Lakers title years when uh, when it was Kobe and Pau Gasol, and I remember bringing up to my friends, like, Kobe seems more snarky, like, more snarkier than usual during those yeah. those last years, right? And it was kind of like, yeah. it kind of reminds me of when Michael Jordan was getting a little snarkier too in <laughs> those later years, and it's like, yeah. this is a whole Phil Jackson thing, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. You get more crotchety when you get older, I guess. I don't know. That, you get a little crotchety when you get older, yeah. yeah. You get, I think if you pull, I mean, I guess if you get more protective of what it is you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and and because you and you're more protective of it, right? Because you understand that you're on the you, you know you're supposed to be at the very least on the waning years of it, like you're on the back end. Yeah. And you know, particularly for somebody who had watched Cal in Memphis, very you know very closely because he was here with the Grizz, you know, I, I also feel like Cal needed that because mm-hmm. he <laughs> he hadn't been at that level of basketball. I mean, that's no disrespect to our team, but yeah. I mean, ultimately he was in L.A., which is not Memphis, right? Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, that's a big enough difference, but also with the, a leg- one of the legacy teams of the sport, so you, also, you almost sort of needed that kind of you know, brash, protective personality. And I feel like Jordan probably felt that as well because, you know, the team is, the the chemistry is under attack by Krause because you're talking about trading people and blowing stuff up and steals <laughs> last year and Robins have, you know, people are talking about Robins crazy and Jordan's like, no, he's getting these rebounds, we got to keep them. Yeah. So I would imagine that even Jordan felt a little bit, you know, they probably felt the similar need to protect what it is they were trying to accomplish and the art of what they were trying to accomplish and also being protective of the pieces around them that enabled them to accomplish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're only getting we're only getting five weeks and ten episodes of this. Like, why can't they make this like a hundred episodes in like the entire year? Because there's so much to unpack from this dynasty alone. Honestly. Yeah, each of these, each each little, each, that's what I'm saying, like, almost each person could have their own two hours. Yeah. Like, I could eat two hours on ramen. 
You know what I mean? I could do two because I, I wasn't I wasn't aware that um, you know Pippin's father was in a wheelchair and that his brother was in a wheelchair. So I, I didn't know a lot about where he came from. I knew where he came from because it's so close to Tennessee, but I didn't know a lot about what was going on in his upbringing. So like almost all of these guys could have two hours each just to learn about how they made their way into this level of commitment to this sport. Um, so you look at it like that. And it feels like, I don't know, are we going to hear from Horace Grant? Like, I'd love to, I haven't seen Tony Kukush, I'd love to hear from him. Yes. <laughs> you know, some people that I would love to get some, some in-depth combo from during the thing as well, which I don't think we will, but you're right, it could easily go, it could go 25 episodes for sure. Like, it almost could be a season of network television, right. at least. You, you said Rama needs two hours. I think he needs like 200 hours the way he lived his life. I'm telling you guys, man, he was a cultural icon of the 90s. Seriously. Like he people, was. people should realize that, man. Like like you said, he's a celebrity. Like He's just not a sports star. He's, he's a, a celebrity. celebrity, yeah. Yeah. Like, so many things going on. Like, I, God. Now, after this podcast, I'm probably going to rewatch like Robin World Tour or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think I saw. I know. I, feel, I felt like I needed to do a bunch of reading. I had forgotten that he dated Madonna. I look at Carmen Electra, and she still looks freaking amazing. I know. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that was a thing. So I want to go and learn more <laughs> about her. Like all, all of these pieces, you do want to go back. And I, I did um, yesterday read a piece that was written in ESPN. I think a week ago, just talking about like for real how insanely good Jordan was. Um, with the mid-range jumper. Mm-hmm. And so even that was like a deep dive into, you know, where he had come from, from being not that great of a shooter to improving his technique to getting to be like insanely efficient, um, even well into his early 30s. You know, so it does, it does put you in a place where you want to go back and... <laughs> And go down a rabbit hole on all these little individual side stories about Robin in the ring and WCW. <laughs> like, oh, there's so much of that. You want to go and get every little piece of it so yes. it informs what you know about the team. Yeah. And the funny thing is that, like, the Twitter experts, once again, they're just like, the Bulls wouldn't do that good in today's game. And I'm like, what? You wouldn't think that Jordan wouldn't practice his three-point shot in today's game? Like... There are just things. Like, people evolve, first of all. Basketball evolves as well. You wouldn't think that today's Bulls wouldn't work on, like, three-point shots and whatever is effective today, right? Like, they wouldn't run more. Robin was one of the best full-court passers in history. Like, exactly. people don't get it. (laughs) I mean, one of the foremost originators of the point-forward position, like... I, I don't know we're, what we're talking about. Like, at the end of the day, he was, Jordan was still, and that was one of the things I was reading in that piece, he was, the shots that were, like, this beautiful, these beautiful, amazing, breathtaking shots he was making, he was making them between five and 15 feet from the back. Like, they weren't, like, overwhelming three-pointers that were, like, knocking your socks off. He was getting, you know, weirdly beautiful, amazing shots from really a high percentage area. So if he could do that then, I don't, I'm not convinced that that doesn't have value in today's game. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to tell me that a dude who will go out and get you 20 rebounds and can pass the ball like nobody's business has no value in today's game. Because yeah. he does. I mean, so 
I, I don't doubt what this team could be doing even in the year 2020 of our Lord and Savior. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I, I still think they're good. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap this up with like what I was. I was. I was having a conversation with Jonathan Tillman, uh, Till Show. You you know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We, we were having a conversation. Uh, he was saying that he doesn't think that he's ever seen a a um the way that Michael Jordan moves, what the way he walks, the way he runs, the way he dribbles, the way he shoots, the way he flies in the air. And we were saying this, that there is no more graceful athlete on the basketball court than Michael Jordan. I got to agree with that. Yeah. Because we've seen... I, I have to agree with that. Yeah. We've seen many others, like, imitate or come close or whatever. But it just there's, just... there's just this art and silkiness that Jordan had wherever he moved. Yeah, and I, there was I was reading a quote from uh, Steve Smith, who um, you know was one of the great wing defenders yes. of that era, and he he made the difference between he said you know um, Reggie Miller would would run you, you know of course like run you from one side of the court to the other yes. side of the court, like yes. run you down. And <laughs> he was like, but but with Jordan there was just there wasn't he would just get the ball, he would pause. He would decide what he was going to do, and his brain would telegraph that to his body, and then he would do it. Like, there was no, you know, I'm going to run you tired, or there was no, I'm going to do a lot of faking. It was just like, oh, this is what I'm going to do at this time, and every bit of work that I've done before this shot is going to allow me to make this shot. And in that way, I just don't know. Everybody else has, you know, I, I love Steph. Mm-hmm. But he's a move guy. Like, so much of what we see is our moves now. You know what I'm saying? Moves, moves to get open. Moves. But Jordan just had this very smooth way, ultimately, of making the decision to get a bucket. <laughs> and then he would, he would go get a bucket. Like, that was, that was the end of it. And it was done beautifully. And it was, it was done. Those shots happened as a complete reflection of whatever defense he was facing in that moment. Like, he didn't have some standard thing he did for defense. Like, whatever your defense was, how he presented the shot came as a response to your defense. And they were often different, and it was beautiful, and he had great control of his body. He, it just, I, you know, and he was, I, I, I was watching something, because I'm down a rabbit hole. I was watching something with uh, his trainer, and they did mention in a documentary later where he was saying, uh, and just this, this round of episodes, that Jordan, when he started lifting weights, played at like 215, 216. And for a 6'6 person, that's still really lean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a real lean human being, especially when it's mostly muddle, muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you just think about everything that he invested to be that good. And I think that's the beauty of what we saw when he played. And you're right, it was our it was graceful it was it was sure you know what I mean like there was a surety to it a certainty to it that we just don't don't see very much anymore yeah and the Till Show said he floats he just floats yeah <laughs> yeah I like that I like that description because it's very true yeah well we spent about 15 minutes talking about Dennis Rodman and I guess Michael Jordan but <laughs> But, yeah, a little bit of Mike. Yeah, a little yeah, bit of Mike, but yeah. Crossing on uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, yeah, so it worked out. But, yeah. And, and me being mad at Jerry Krause. 
But a great deep dive into the last dance with Rosalind Ross. Uh, Ross, please tell us your your social media or whatever else you need to publicize on the internet, whatever you need to do. Yeah, okay. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, you can find me at uh, Rosalind R. Ross on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook, actually. But, uh, you know, otherwise I'm staying safe during the pandemic, so I don't have a whole, whole lot going on, but I'm glad I was able to catch up with you today, Ray Ray. Yes. We're all stuck at home, but as long as you're all staying safe and staying home, please don't be dumb. Stay in, stay healthy. And that's all we got. That's our Trinity, Rosalind Ross. She's a star. I'm R squared. Oh. I'm R squared. Ray Ray. I'm just a uh, I don't know a podcast guy. Stop it! You're a star. <laughs> I wish. Best guy ever. <laughs> I wish. Thanks, Ross. Thank you. Great catching up with you, Ray Ray. Game over, yeah! Hashtag blame Ray Ray.